Online. We're excited to have you joining us for a, a New Year's worship session, starting our New Testament um, study of Matthew today. So grab a coffee, grab a Bible, grab a pen. We're going to get into our study today. It's going to be awesome. So we'll see you in just a few minutes.
everybody, Wayne and Lily Hansen, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Happy New Year. Hope you guys are doing well today. God bless you. Glad you're tuning in. I've got a great study. We're starting our New Testament survey today, so it's going to be awesome. We're going to be going five chapters at a time, Sunday to Sunday in 2021. And I got this little download the other night in our watch night New Year's meditation and worship. God's love for everyone in 2021. That's a good one, right? Yeah, it's a really good one. God's love is, goes deeper still. It's deeper than you can imagine. He loves you so very much. He loves me. He loves all of us. And he wants his love to flow through us. So, this is the last Sunday we'll have Lily again. And for a little while, she's going back to Arizona tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, going back to school. But until then, we're going to enjoy some worship together and a little Bible study. Sing along with us where you are. We got nine watchers. So I bet you can share this with someone. We can get into double digits if you share it with somebody. <laughs> Joyful noise, make a joyful noise. Woo! Yeah! 
singing and getting a little crazy and having fun in the Lord. That's what it's all about. We make our hearts glad in the Lord. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that's how we make our hearts glad. You know what? We don't need caffeine. We don't need alcohol or anything, any other mind-altering substance. We just need the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing? Let's open with prayer. Father, we love you. Happy New Year, Lord. We give you this year, on this very first Sunday of the year, may you be glorified in our lives. Lord, we just pray that you would go before us this year. Make the crooked path straight. And Lord, all the turmoil in our country, God, I pray that you would just, just as Jesus stood up in the boat and calmed the waters, he said, peace, be still. Lord, I minister that same spirit over America and over the world. Peace, be still. In the name of Jesus, we pray the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, bless everything we do and say, every song we sing, every scripture we study today. Lord, bless my friends as they watch. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, so let's sing Reckless Love. I love that one. I'm not going to sing it this high, though. <laughs> Oh, the over. 
Kelly's going to lead us in one of her favorites called Oceans. You know, our God is big. He's bigger than the oceans. He's bigger than all time and eternity. He holds you and I in the palm of his hands. Sing this with us.
Isn't it good to know that we serve a God who's big? He's bigger than every problem. He's bigger than every challenge. He's bigger than every circumstance. We're going to look at the one-year Bible today. Tim, I bet you can type in what the reference is. This new year on January 2nd, the highlighted verse in the one-year Bible is Psalm chapter 3, verse 3. And the highlighted verse in the, in the paper Bible today says this, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory and the one who lifts my head up high. You know, is your, is your head downcast? Are you sad? Are you depressed? Are you angry? Are you going through difficulty? Guess what? God loves you. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. If you're sad, if you're angry, if you're depressed, if you're filled with bitterness and anger, God can lift your head up. God can say, hey, be encouraged. I'm still, I'm still in charge. I'm still on the throne. Jesus is still the Savior. The Holy Spirit is here to, to rest with you and to be with you. My word is still true. You can take my promises to the bank. You can trust God every step of the way. I want to just sing one more simple song because we have just a couple minutes left. Let's, uh, let's sing Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. Um. Amazing grace, how sweet that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy reigns unending love amazing Shame. 
today, God, that everyone who's watching or everyone that needs to hear this, God, that you just bless them. Whether they ask for it or not, God, that we're all struggling right now, and you say that we're, you're near to the brokenhearted, God. So I know that you're here, and I know that you're near, God, and so I pray today that you bless 2021, God, that no bad things can happen this year to us that you're going to take care of us, and I know that wholeheartedly, God. And so I pray today that we receive the blessing that you have already have lined up for us, God. That we're here standing with open arms, God, receiving the blessing, receiving the love, receiving the peace, receiving the joy that you have sent down for us. So I pray today, God, that not only do we receive that, but we thank you for it, God. That you're so good to us. You're too good to us, God. So thank you for being you, and thank you for loving us as much as you do. Amen, 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 amen. 
Thanks for joining us for worship here today. We're going to get into the Bible study. And would you share this? Seriously, just click that little share button and tell someone that the sermon's about to get started. We're starting the series with Matthews uh, chapters 1 through Matthew chapters 1 through 5. Grab a Bible and we're going to get right into it. So share this link if you're on my various platforms. Let's get into it. Thank you, Lily. Love you. <laughs> love you too. I'll take a hug. I'll take a hug. We love this girl. We're going to miss her. <laughs> Anyways, everybody, grab a Bible. Grab a pen. To, uh, grab, grab a way of uh, taking some notes. And I've got some a fascinating study today of the Gospel of Matthew. And hopefully you guys can hear me okay. Maybe I'll get this close so I can see your comments. And if you have prayer requests, will you put those prayer requests in the comment section below so we can be praying for you? And hello, Deanne Quintana. Oh, hello. Let me just say hello to a few of the folks. Hey, my mother-in-law is watching. Hello, 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 everybody. I love you. Sending lots and lots of love to the church family. Kathy Mitchell. Oh, my goodness. Tim. Yep, Kim. I see Jonathan Irby. Yep. My Aunt Beth and Uncle Art. Neil in Wyoming, Lori, Sally, Meredith, good to see all you guys. Good to see you. Let's get into our study. So open your Bible to the New Testament, or maybe you have a paperback, a paperback uh, New Testament. You can do it that way. It'd be in the front of that Bible. And I've got some cool things in the works for our church this year. We are looking at the possibility of in-person services resuming sometime very soon. Um, it, it, either beyond church or I just spoke with a restaurant tour yesterday about meeting in one of their tented areas. So let's just be praying God for God's favor uh, this year. And so as we study the Bible, I want to give sort of preface this year of study. Like I said, God's love for everyone in 2021. I think that's a great theme. And each, each time we switch a book to study in the New Testament this year, I'm going to read you the synopsis. I'm going to be teaching this year out of the TruthQuest Bible. What I love, love about the TruthQuest Bible is it has room in the margins to make notes. It has in, inductive Bible study questions. So I'm going to be writing a lot of my sermon notes in this TruthQuest Bible, which I used to teach it, uh, out of when I was a youth pastor for years and years. Here's the synopsis of the Gospel of Matthew. It says, Matthew, when, he was last, when, the, when was the last time that you anxiously awaited the fulfillment of a promise? A promise you knew that one day would be fulfilled, only you didn't know when. The Gospel of Matthew, written by one of the twelve apostles, presents Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the centuries-old promise that Messiah would save the Jewish people. Most scholars believe that this Gospel was written mainly for Jews as it contains about 60 references to Old Testament prophecies. Many times throughout Matthew, we see instances where Jesus fulfilled those prophecies, thus showing himself to be the Messiah of the Jewish people that, that the Jewish people had been waiting for. Jesus is the promise of God. That's what we studied at Christmas, right? That Jesus is God's perfect gift. That there's nobody like Jesus. There's no one like our God. And so as we study this today, I, I brought up an, an illustration that one of my uh, Bible college professors gave us years ago on Bible interpretation. The, the study of Bible interpretation is uh, something they call hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. 
So as you study the text of the scriptures, you're supposed to read it with the original audience in mind, with the original author in mind, what did it mean to its original hearers? What are transferable principles from the Bible that we can apply to our lives today? And of course, this was in Minneapolis, Minnesota at North Central University. And he pulled up a map of Minnesota. Well, I have a map of Colorado. Now check out that map of Colorado. Let's see. Well, it's upside down. <laughs> it's upside down. Uh, you are here in Castle Rock. Okay. There's Castle Rock, Colorado. If you're watching from Castle Rock, if not, you're somewhere else on the map or you're off this map. Let me, let me ask you something. Will this map get me to say Grand Junction, Colorado? If I was trying to go from Castle Rock to Grand Junction, would this map be a faithful rendering that I would need to help me navigate, oh, go up to I-25, okay, take I-25 I north to I-70, take it west, go through the Rocky Mountains, through the pass, keep following that, go past Vail Pass, go past Glenwood Springs, get your way through Debec Canyon, and then you'll find yourself in Grand Junction. Yes, yes, this map is a faithful representation. Now, is it perfect? Are there some spelling errors on this map? Could be. Is there a twist and a turn in the road that could perhaps isn't perfect according to how it is in, to scale in real life? Are there little crooks and turns in the, in the road that might not be perfectly correct? Possibly. You know, there's a lot of people that want to criticize the Bible, say, well, it's filled with inaccuracies. Or it's filled with contradictions. Oh, really? Why don't you tell me one of them? Uh, does the Bible have... Uh, grammatical errors. Have you ever tried to spell check or grammar check the Bible? And sometimes this grammar check will try to grammar check the Bible. And I go, I'm pretty sure not supposed to grammar check the word of God, right? It's written the way it is, the way the translators wrote it on purpose. Now, textual criticism says there may be uh, maybe a, a comma where it shouldn't be, or a capital letter where there shouldn't be, or maybe uh, the way they numbered the, the, the chapter headings of the Bible might not be perfect. But will the map get me from Castle Rock to Grand Junction? Yeah. Will, will the Bible get me from earth to heaven? Is it a faithful enough witness to the truth of God that it'll get me to where I'm going? Yes. Is it perfect? Probably not. Because it, it's, been, it's been written down by men. And translated by translators who are all human beings. But is it a faithful enough representation of God's truth to get me to heaven? Definitely. That's why it's a, a book worth studying. That's why me sharing my opinion is not nearly as important as us studying the word of God. And letting God's truth come forth. Because we let scripture interpret scripture. I don't just impose my will on the scripture and try to find a bunch of Bible verses to back up my opinion. No. I let the Bible impose its opinion upon me, and then I begin to apply my life to the truths of the scriptures. And that's, that's what the difference between good hermeneutics and bad hermeneutics, all right? So as you think about your Bible study this year, as you read the Bible, stop trying to back up your opinion with scripture and just let the Bible speak into you. You see, you don't read your Bible. Your Bible reads you. That might be a profound thought for you. But the Bible is like a, a two-edged sword, it says of itself. That it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It exposes the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart, the separating joints and marrow, soul and spirit. It shows us for who we really are. It's like the reflection that we see in a mirror and we go, oh, 
I got a little schmutz there. Ooh, I gotta gotta get that off. That's not like Jesus. Ooh, ooh, I got a I got a long whisker here. I need to trim that. Huh? Yeah, that's not quite right. And and when I begin to look at the perfect reflection of Christ in the mirror of His Word, I can begin to apply my life to His truth, His principles, His power. And I can trust that it's a faithful witness. It's faithful enough, just like that, like that Colorado map is faithful enough to get me from Castle Rock to Grand Junction. The Bible is faithful enough to get us from earth to heaven and help us to avoid hell, right? And to avoid not only eternity's internal separation from God, but to, to from experiencing hell on earth. Because, you know, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to make you miserable, not just one day when you die. He wants to make you miserable every day of your life. Did you know that? And some people, they don't realize that there's an enemy out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But he, there is. And so I'm, I'm praying for our church this year. I believe that God is going to give our church a breakthrough when it comes to a meeting space, maybe even a permanent home. And the pandemic has been terrible. And yet I believe that out of a out of a mess, God can bring a miracle. God is, is he's in the, in the business of taking deaths and turning them into resurrections. He's in the, in the business of just doing what you could, you could never do on your own. And I believe that we're, that's what we're going to see this year in 2021. I'm believing God for supernatural breakthrough in 2021. And I want to see God's love to everyone in 2021. I hope you do too. So Matthew chapter one is a genealogy. And you go, why, why are genealogies important? A lot of people read the genealogies in the Bible and like, man, oh man, this is so boring. So-and-so begot so-and-so and he begot that and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, no. Genealogies are important because they give a legitimacy to the claims of ownership. This year, I, I did a little genealogy of my family that traces us from Castle Rock to Plymouth Rock. That we, we can trace our family line through people and dates all the way to the founding, before the founding of America in Massachusetts, in the Plymouth Colony. It's pretty amazing. That, that gives us a little claim to our own American heritage, right? We, we have a little claims of ownership of what freedom is about, what religious liberty is about, and what freedom of speech is about. And, you know, a lot of the Mayflower Compact was the, was the foundation for the Declaration of Independence and later on the Constitution in the United States. You see, because our freedom should not be taken for granted. Freedom to worship, freedom to speak your mind, even be wrong, the freedom to disagree, right? The freedom to not have your rights trampled upon, right? The freedom that we just have been, many of us have taken for granted before the pandemic now are becoming vital rights. And uh, I think the free commerce where people are able to buy and exchange goods and services freely and we're seeing some crazy, crazy things. But you know what? I believe God was the one who was there when this, neighbor, this nation was founded. And he's, I believe he's also the same God who's able to keep this nation going. Because America, I think, was founded to bless the world. And so I hope that that's, that's how you see it. So this genealogy traces Jesus' ancestors uh, all the way back to Isaac and Jacob. But, of course, we can see in his family line, we can see the, that... Uh, He's traced back to King David. And so the end of chapter 1 talks about the virgin birth, the virgin birth of Christ. Let me read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, 
uh, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Here's what the prophet said in the Old Testament. This is, I believe, uh, Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded, and he brought Mary home to be his wife, and she remained a virgin until the, her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. See, the virgin birth is necessary for Jesus' claims as Messiah. See, God, God gave his one and only son. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That Christ is 100% man, and he's 100% God. It's a, it's a dichotomy. It's almost a contradiction. But Jesus is both human and divine, all wrapped up into one. And this fulfills the promise that God was going to send Messiah. And many have received him. Many are still holding Jesus with a loose hand, wondering, maybe, is he? Perhaps, I'm not sure. Can I tell you? Get off the fence and just give Jesus a try. Let him in. And I think if you'll commit your life to saying, okay, Christ, okay, Jesus, I'll start living for you. Just start guiding my life. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to be the person you want me to be. When you say yes to him and you give him a chance to do something in your life, he begins to reveal himself to you. He begins to fill you with his spirit. He begins to gives you a desire to read his word, to, to, to spend time in prayer, to love other people, to be generous, to do all the things that Jesus did. And so the virgin birth is necessary for Jesus' divinity, for his, the truth of his teachings, not just being a good rabbi, but actually being Messiah, and then being God's lamb that was slain for, from the foundations of the earth, died on the cross, bore the sins of all mankind, that one moment in time, the hinge of history, he balanced the scales and he made a way for all of mankind to be reconciled to God. Not through religion, not through good behavior, but because just simply by grace, by simply receiving his sacrifice on the cross and, and, and declaring allegiance to him, you've made a decision to be on God's side. And God has made a decision to adopt you into his family. That's pretty amazing. It's amazing. We don't even understand really how it works. It's a grand mystery of the gospel. And yet, he doesn't ask us to fully understand it. He asks us to only believe. Just believe. It's so simple, a child can understand. You're not going to totally understand God because God is bigger than your brain. He's bigger than your heart. It's bigger than your experience. He's bigger than every, anything you can conceive. And yet, his arms are wide enough to wrap around you. His love is not powerless his arm is not short that it can't reach you. The gospel can reach you wherever you are today. Even if you have doubts, even if you have fears, even if you have uh, regrets and you, you feel like, oh, I, I don't think I can trust anybody. Guess what? You can trust the Lord and he's trustworthy. Let's get into chapter two. Matthew chapter two, we see the visit of the wise men. Now, this has been predicted from the time of Daniel and before 
that Messiah would appear in the city called Bethlehem. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not low, a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you. You will be a shepherd for my people, Israel. The wise men come from the east. They see his star, and they're most likely in Babylon at the time, modern-day Iraq, and they're moving west towards the, this little village near Jerusalem. Number two in my points here today, Messiah's appearance in Bethlehem was predicted in prophecy. And what's interesting is that you could even see in the Masoret, in the, in the Hebrew study of the stars and astronomy, they could see that Messiah was going to be birthed and they could follow his star to the exact place where the child would be born. Now there's a, a man from New Zealand who's an astronomer and a Bible scholar. I'm going to show you just a, a couple minutes of his um, teaching about the Bethlehem star. Some of you already saw uh, the, the Christmas star this season where Jupiter and Saturn were in conjunction with each other. But there's another uh, conjunction that only happens every 2,000 years. And then there's another conjunction that only happens every 7,000 years. Um, and this particular gathering is how the wise men found Messiah and declared Christ to be the one that God had promised. They found him by following a star. Now that's amazing. And what did they give Christ? They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now what are these things? Well, gold, it's a symbol of royalty and treasure, right? Of power. Incense, or frank incense, is, is something that's used in prayer. It's something that's used in meditation and reflection. When, when, when a priest goes into the Holy of Holies, they burn incense. The, the angels before the Lord put the prayers of the saints along with incense before the altar of God. And then anointing oil, that represents the favor of God. Anointing is what they do to kings and to prophets and to people who are set apart as holy to do a work for the Lord. Jesus was a prophet, he was a priest, he was a king. The gold, the frankincense, the, the anointing oil, the myrrh, was all symbols of his kingly, priestly, prophetic anointing to be who exactly who God wanted him to be. And he's a savior worth following. That's why we need to study his life. And these first few months, we're going to be studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. And you're going to hear the story of Jesus from four different perspectives. So, he gets the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so the, the wise men came. I want you to see this, um, this scholar from uh, New Zealand as he talks about um, this amazing con convergence of stars. And he uses Google Earth and Stellarium, which you can, you can put the clock backward and forward to see the constellations where the stars were, and then Google Earth to see the proximity of Babylon with Bethlehem and perhaps how the wise men found the exact place where the Lord was. Check this out. This, this scholar's name is Russell Judd from New Zealand, and I think you'll find him very fascinating. Check it out. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise! Take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child and destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And there was, an, oh, yeah, and they departed for Egypt. So that same night, it's an action-packed night. 
It's not some still, quiet, silent night. This is a loud, get out of here, warnings, death night. Because the wise men have just taken off. Mary and Joseph and Yeshua are left with all the gold, frankincense and myrrh and a donkey. And they are warned in the night divinely and told, you've got to get out of here because Herod is hot on your tail. Because in the morning, early in the morning, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the districts from two years old. There's that number. We know why, because the Magi had been traveling for nine months. Two years old and under, according to the time which had he had determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet uh, Jeremiah, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So, the story that's in the Bible, Matthew and Luke, and Mark and, and John, perfectly matches it perfectly matches the Maseroth. It's prophetic. Um, it lines up with the Bible and the Torah. It lines up with the Maseroth. And it lines up with the appointed times. That's three witnesses. Just by two, two or more witnesses, a matter should be established. And I've just given you two or more. Fascinating stuff. I encourage you to, to see to look up uh, this Russell Judd. He's an amazing um, Bible scholar, and his study of finding biblical truth in the stars is pretty amazing. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist prepares the way. Now, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, and he, he, he wore a uh, clothes of camel hair, and he uh, leather, had a leather belt, and his food was locusts and honey. And what we see in John and what we see in the beginning of the ministry of Jesus are witnesses to his truth. Again, we go back to this idea of the map. We look at this Colorado map, and these things bear, are they're like signposts. The Bible, what we see in the heavens, they're like signposts pointing the way. How do I get from here to there? How do we get from heaven to earth? God provides witnesses. He provides signposts. He provides people to say, this is the way. Walk this way. Go this way. This is where the Lord is pointing. And so John the Baptist is one of those witnesses. And then Jesus comes to John, who's out in the wilderness at the Jordan River, and he's baptizing people. He's preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Peter comes to him. And this is Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John didn't want to baptize him. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. But he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it must be done because we must do everything that is right. So then John baptized him. And after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water and the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, and I am fully pleased with him. God provided witnesses. 
Two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. He had John the Baptist, we had God the Father, and we had God the Holy Spirit. And of course, he's had many more witnesses since then. But God provides signposts. He provides witnesses. And when you've received Christ, guess what? You and I are witnesses. We're witnesses to the kingdom. We're witnesses to the gospel. We're supposed to tell the world about what Christ has done and who he is and how wonderful our God is. And we do that with words and we do that with deeds. And we do that with righteous living. So our Father in heaven, he bears witness to Christ's power. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4. I know I'm moving quickly, but four, five chapters at a time per Sunday means that we move quickly. Um, so in chapter 4, we see the temptation of Christ. He's led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Sort of his testing before his ministry starts. And Jesus, when he comes out of this time of testing in the desert... He begins to preach that same message that John was preaching. He was preaching repentance. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. After he comes out uh, of the desert, he fulfills another prophecy, actually, that says uh, that, that out of the, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, there were so many Gentiles live. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. Jesus fulfills that prophecy. And so from, from then on, Jesus began to preach, Turn from your sins and turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. See, a lot of people want to preach uh, a cheap grace that, oh, I don't have to repent. I can live however I want, and God will just love me. God will just forgive me. No, not if you don't ask for forgiveness, he won't. Not if you don't turn from your sins, he won't. You have to make a decision to say, I am not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for God. Jesus preached a gospel of repentance. Turn from your sin, because the kingdom of heaven is near. A lot of people don't like that. They're like, well, I'm not, how dare you? No, no listen, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> Jesus said it. The Bible said it. God has a standard, and we can't cheapen the standard. We can't change the word. We can't make it say something it doesn't say. Repentance is a part of lordship. When I finally say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to live for you. Then he can work with it. Then he can work with us. You say, okay, <laughs> let me help you clean this up. Let me help you grow. Let me help you become the man, the woman, the boy, or the girl that I want you to be. So Jesus' ministry starts out of Galilee. And then let's, I'm going to land it here with Matthew chapter 5. Get this. Jesus, he's tested in the wilderness. He comes out, begins preaching the gospel. And somewhere in this little time, John the Baptist gets arrested by Herod. And Jesus really takes on the ministry of John the Baptist of preaching the kingdom of God, preaching the kingdom of heaven. And he begins going about selecting disciples, doing good, healing the sick, raising the dead, going to the synagogue, reading the prophets, showing that he is the fulfillment of the prophets. And through many signs and wonders, he, he demonstrates, he, he's a sign and a witness that, that he is the Messiah. And to not see it is to ignore the map. You say, well, I'll just get to Grand Junction any old way I want. Well, it might take a long time if you go the Alamosa way. Or if you go the Lyman way. <laughs> or if you go the Fort Collins way. You know, there's a, there is a way to go to Grand Junction from Castle Rock, and it ain't towards Lyman. So a lot of people say, no, I'm going to make it my own way. No, the map says it's this way. And that's what John was. That's what Jesus said. 
Repentance this way. This is how we come to God. The kingdom of God is near. Now go this way. And when we begin to follow his method, his way, his truth, he shows the way. And that brings me to chapter 5. Jesus showed the way. Early, early in the movement of Christianity, when it was mostly Jewish people and not Gentiles, they didn't call us Christians. Actually, Christians was a derogatory term that they, they were used to make like, oh, you're a little Christ. You're just a little Jesus. You're like, oh, you're like, a, you're a Christian. And some people still use Christian in, in, as a derogatory term. But Jesus, they, originally, they called his movement, they called it the way. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus showing the way. The way to live. And this might seem like an impossible standard. And it would be if you didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But let me read it. Matthew 5, chapter, one, chapter 5, verse 1. One day as the crowds were gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside with his disciples and he sat down to teach them. He said, God blesses those who realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is given to them. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are gentle and lowly, for the whole earth will belong to them. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a f <laughs> great is the reward for you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot and worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see, don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your, your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I have not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to fulfill them. He goes on to teach in the Sermon on the Mount about anger. He says, don't murder. You've heard said, said don't murder. But I say if you say uh, you're angry with someone, that it's, you're in danger of judgment. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say if you look at a woman with lust in your eye, heart, you're committing adultery in your heart. He says, teaching about divorce. He goes, you, know, you have a hard heart. You should forgive one another and restore your marriages. Teach about vows. He says, don't make these promises like, oh, oh by my head or by heaven or I swear to God. No, no, just let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And he teaches about revenge. He says, don't resist an evil person. If you're slapped in the right cheek, you turn the left. If you're ordered to court and, and your shirt is taken from, from you, give your coat too. And then he says something radical, and it's still radical today. And a lot of people have tough, a tough time with this, but this is end of Matthew chapter 5, about loving your enemies. He says, you have heard that the law of Moses says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. 
And then skipping to verse 48, he says, but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Well, that's a tall order. In fact, it's impossible. (laughs) We can't do it without Jesus. We can't do it without his spirit inside of us. But with his spirit inside of us, we can do not only these things, but many more. Because I can do all things through Christ, like the Apostle Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Maybe you've listened to this message today and you're like, I want to start the new year right. I want to begin to have a relationship with God. I want to begin to live my life for God. I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of being lonely and angry and fearful and and bitter. I, I want to be a new person. I want Christ to come and fill me. I need his Holy Spirit inside me. I need to begin to devour his word. Yeah, you do. You do. We need Christ. God has put a hole inside of all us that only can be filled by God can't be filled with money or fame or riches or any other thing that you might desire. It can only be filled by him. And how do you do that? How do you let God fill the hole? Well, you have to open your heart to him and you have to let him in. It's just, just as simple as receiving him, believing upon him, and then committing your way to him, saying, I, I, I confess you as Lord and I, I believe in you and I'm going to live for you. I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. Well, the gospel is very simple. You see, you are made in the image of God. And God made you to have a relationship with him. But your sin, my sin, it separates us from God. And sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds. Like you can't write a big check to the poor and then suddenly God will go, oh, all your sins are forgiven because you paid that money. No, it's not, not about, or I'm going to do some good deeds. I'm going to mow that guy's lawn and maybe that'll count in my category of being a good person. That'll cancel out some of the, no, that's not how it works. No, grace is free. You can't pay for it when it's already been paid for. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and he rose again. So everyone, anyone who put their trust in Christ can have eternal life. And it begins the moment you give him permission to come in. And then when he comes in, he begins to rearrange the, rearrange the furniture in the house. He goes, hey, let's get this out of here. We don't want this. Hey, let's, hey, let's bring something new in. I'm going to bring in peace and joy and life and grace. Ooh, and a servant attitude and love and and a contentment. (laughs) And you begin to have things that you never had before because you let Jesus come in and rearrange the furniture. If you want to do that today, it's a simple prayer that I call STP. Sorry, thank you, please. If you need to pray the prayer to receive Jesus, do it right now. Just pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for going my own way. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I believe God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. Please come into my heart. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to live for you, Jesus. From this moment forward. From this moment forward. In your name. Amen. 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 Thank you for praying that prayer. If you if you need to rewind and listen to that and pray, pray it again, do it. Get a copy of the scriptures. Start reading the Bible with us. This is the perfect time to start a new habit. Say, okay, I'm going to start reading the Bible, the New Testament, book of Matthew. We're going to be studying Matthew for the next four weeks, five chapters at a time. Just start reading the Bible with us. Start studying the Bible with us. And I believe that you're going to grow in your knowledge of the Lord and your love for the Lord. He's going to begin to change the appetites and the desires of your heart. You're going to begin to want to live for him. You're going to start being 
want to be kind where you were mean before, you're going to start. Yeah, your whole life will change if you'll begin to submit to, to his purpose and his power in your life. And he might have you do some reconciliation with people or make an amends with some people. Or if you've, if you've wronged someone, to go make it right. And as you do that, you're going to see God's spirit shining through you and the love of God to everyone in 2021. I'm excited for you. I'm so excited. So if you want to support the ministry, this is normally when we pass the offering bucket at our church. You can support the ministry online going mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link. Or you can mail the gift to 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or you can text your gift. So if you're watching on your laptop and you have your phone, your smartphone, just open your texting app, the little speech bubble there, and text this number, 303-625-9434. And in the speech bubble there, just put in the amount of your gift in dollars. So if you wanted to give 40, you put 40, 60, whatever. And then follow the prompts. After you press send, you'll get prompts, and it'll show you um, how to complete your gift and your, do- your donation. And that's really appreciated. This The ministry really runs on your tithes and offerings. And I believe that God's got some doors opening for us. I'm really excited about this tented restaurant that may open the door for us on Sunday mornings. I think that could be really good. Pray for a man named Kevin. And who knows what God might do through Kevin and this particular restaurant and more to come, but I don't want to ruin it uh, as the deal is still in the works. But thank you for watching today. God bless you guys. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. Lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray, amen, amen. Thanks for watching today. God bless you. Share this with a friend and keep serving Jesus. It's gonna get better. It's gonna get better. 2021, we can only go up from here, right everybody? God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.